Hey folks, welcome into Ons Waveland, this Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined as always by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And we just got to see our first weekend of uh, baseball. Actual baseball is back. And of course, that comes with uh, all kinds of context in this era. And we'll get to... Um, We'll get to the baseball of it soon enough, but it just feels um, crazy not to mention at the top that there's sort of an ongoing situation involving some other teams. And let me set that up to you, Sahadev, and you can let folks know if they haven't seen and then then we'll get off of that. Yeah, we're up to uh, four more positives from the Marlins that I believe is 15 players out of their 30 player uh, active roster who have tested positive, currently positive. Uh, I mean, it's officially an outbreak, I would say, and their games have been, well, Phillies-Yankees has been postponed for Tuesday night. Uh, I'm not sure when the Marlins will play again. It's kind of uh, one of those situations where we're just kind of wondering what's happening next, what what will MLB do? What's the breaking point for the season? We don't have any specifics on that. And I think they intentionally did that. They they were going to monitor it and kind of we'll know it when we see it type thing. And as of right now, it sounds like, uh, you know, pausing the season, canceling the season hasn't been seriously discussed. At least we don't we haven't heard that publicly. I have to imagine that's come across uh, multiple people's minds. And, and right now this isn't, oh man, how I'd love to just be starting this podcast talking about the Cubs bullpen issues as the biggest focus, right? As the biggest problem baseball, <laughs> the Cubs and baseball face. But that's just not the reality we have. This is a very tenuous situation. It just feels like at any moment it could all fall apart. Uh, I, I guess we, we all knew that. We were all hoping that it wouldn't happen. And, and that was probably, you know, foolishly naive on our parts. Uh, but, you know, I, this is the reality of the situation, the reality of our world right now. And we just have to take it uh, basically hour by hour because news continues to break. And, and we just don't know what direction uh, what direction this is going and how it's going to impact the rest of the league. Right now, I, I just don't know how you go forward with the Marlins with, with, with the situation they have. I, I don't when you talk about integrity of the game, it's hard to look at that and see 15 players and say, how do you replace those 15 players and say, yep, that's a legitimate roster. Uh, competitive balance, you know, the NL East. We're talking about so many different things. If you just want to focus on baseball, the competitiveness of it and, and the integrity of it uh, is really in question right now. Yeah, it makes me wonder what would have happened if the Yankees were dealing with an outbreak or if these players were kind of the star players who drive the game. And I know there's going to be kind of finger pointing in the direction of the Marlins as if you know, they breached the protocols, which are well thought out and, you know, should help. But, you know, I think that's kind of ignoring a much larger reality in terms of how exponentially worse the situation is since baseball shut down in the middle of March. And like, if there's no kind of coherent, sustained national strategy to combat this, like, I'm not going to blame some dude on the Marlins we never heard of before or whatever happened in that regard i think just at a certain point this faith in the protocols this you know these 101 page document that was kind of whipped up in the middle of a pandemic you know as expert 
as those opinions are and as well-researched and well-intentioned as it is, it's not foolproof. And, um, you know, maybe I think our colleagues at The Athletic, I believe it was Carrig and McCullough's column saying, like, you know, maybe this was a a good wake-up call, uh, maybe in the way that, you know, the Cubs saw what happened to Tommy Hadovy that they kind of snapped to attention and kind of stopped – uh, complaining before that could kind of get out of control. Maybe this will be some sort of uh, lesson, but it also might be kind of, you know, the the tip of the iceberg here where the 2020 season, you know, just is totally sunk. Yeah, it's the problem with, and we talked about this way back at the, I mean, back in March, um, when we didn't know what the world was going to look like in June and July, um, that if you have a setup where you don't have rapid daily testing um you're going to have these gaps where guys within a clubhouse in particular can be spreading the virus and not know it and um you know i can't decide i'm still stuck on deciding whether um the fact that it happens so quickly with a team is evidence of this massive hole in the plan that always existed when you had this every other day testing with a delay in the return et cetera, et cetera, or if it's like you said, Mooney, a an opportunity to realize just how much impact the players can have at an individual level every day with respect to how they behave around each other. Um, don't know. I mean, I think we're. I think it's it, the lag in this virus means that we're already behind the eight ball in in what has actually happened, and we're going to find out over the next few days. And so, in the meantime, we can transition to. Um, you know, the Cubs have got in four games. They're three and one, baby. So if this shuts down, they are the champions of the National League, at least. Uh, what, tied with the Padres? And um, I think that it, what was interesting about yesterday's game, last night's game against the Reds, is that coming into it, you know, the Reds themselves had suffered a positive COVID test on Friday, two guys sitting out the day before because they weren't feeling well. And it, it felt like, oh, shit is this the next like spot that's percolating up um that we're going to find out whatever whatever and you know the the cubs were in uh, communication with the reds about everything that's going on they felt comfortable playing david ross felt comfortable playing and what i found i don't know heartening is the wrong word in this situation like this but like once the game started in particular once the bullpen entered it was like it's it is is it bad how easy it is to forget the other stuff? Like, I don't know. Does that make me a bad person that I'm watching? And it was like, all I could think about is, oh my God, this bullpen is going to be giving me heartburn for a couple months now. Um, I can't be the only one. Like, I feel like people were engaging with the game at a level where it was suddenly like, no, the Reds aren't the next hotspot. It's uh, the Cubs bullpen is the next hotspot for disappointment, not COVID. Yeah, well, first of all, I I would hope... (sighs) I hope they they felt comfortable enough because there was enough information. You know, it wasn't just like, well, we don't know yet. Ah, whatever. Okay, if you don't know, as long as it's not a bunch of positives, right? Uh, I I hope they they had some sort of news that made them feel comfortable, right? Something legitimate that they could cling to and say, okay, there. You know, we we're we're gonna go out there because we we feel safe because we know it's safe. Because right? to be sure. Just just in case from when people are listening to this, as of this moment, we don't know exactly the extent of positives with the Reds. We know that Musakis and Senzel sat out again last yeah. night. Um, 
and Matt Davidson had tested positive on Friday, but we it's not like we've heard, okay, they've all everybody else has tested negative, it's all good to yeah. go. Yeah. Like we haven't heard. Yeah, we and uh, you know, who, who knows when we will hear and and I I'm glad they're being extra cautious if even if they have, you know, even if they have results any or anything there with the rapid results. Who knows what's going on exactly, but I yeah, I feel like I can escape once the game starts in general as well. And and I certainly, you know, I think uh, just following along on Twitter and tweeting out what was happening in the game, I, I could tell that fans were pretty engaged. And, and the bullpen is, you know, it's a hot button topic. And it's amazing how conclusions were made before they even stepped out on the field. Like people were panicking on Saturday, you know, Darvish goes four innings and already people are like, oh, no, here comes a bullpen. For me, that's a little much. I get it. It's a concern. You need to you need to uh, see what these guys can do because we don't know. We know what Kimbrell did last year. We know he looked shaky during training camp and spring training. So I get the Kimbrell angst. Overall, I'm willing to give the whole group a little time. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'm willing to see who kind of figures it out because I do think that Jeffress can be good enough to replace Kimbrell if necessary. But that's, a, I mean, there's just no denying that what's going on with Craig Kimbrell right now is a major red flag. You can talk about, David Russ can tell us he's shaking off the rust uh, the, or, you know, he's still building up or, you know, the, this guy just needs to have more confidence in his fastball. All that stuff is fine. I get a manager needs to say those things. No fan I, I do not begrudge any fan that's panicking right now about about Craig Kimbrell. We have plenty of evidence that this is a concern. All of last season that he was on the field, including spring training and training camp, his velocity is still not where it was when he's at his, where when he's at his best. He walked what he faced six guys, walked four of them, hit another. Come on, like there's no way I am not uh, like I'm always the one that uh, calm down, be relaxed. There's no way I would tell a Cubs fan to be relaxed about Craig, Craig Kimbrell right now. Every right to be concerned. It is a concern. I'm not ruling out that he turns it around. The guy's got you know a long history, and we've seen people turn it around quickly in baseball. But oh man, that's a it's a red flag, and the bullpen as a whole needs to come together. The, the saving grace is they're three and one and they can figure this out still. They started two and seven last year with a dreadful bullpen. It kind of came together and obviously fell apart in September, but it came together for a while. If they can if they can figure this out in the next week to 10 days, it looks like they could have a pretty decent team. I think we're officially back now. I remember a couple of months ago <laughs> in some of the darker times during this of us fantasizing about being able to rip Ross for lineup decisions and bullpen choices. And here we are four games into uh, pandemic baseball. And I think uh, we've reached that point, which is uh, reassuring uh, in a way. And um, if we hadn't reached that in game two, I guess that could be up for debate as well. But uh, no, I'm with you, man. I think this is going to be like all of this, is just like mind bending, you know, like you're on one zoom call and you know, there's questions about the, the testing or the fears of going on the road. And, you know, these zooms are set up in a way where it's, you know, very kind of non-confrontational and it's very, you know, kind of positive spins. And, and I do think the Cubs felt Wrigley was kind of their bubble and I do think they have a lot of trust in Ross and Theo and the kind of medical 
training staff, but then it just takes like one tweet to just kind of blow all of that like sense of calm uh, out of the water. And then, but like, this is their job too, you know, like they got to like, you know, they're trying to win. I mean, this is like how they earn their money. And I mean, you could tell with Ross, like he's answered baseball questions and kind of shut down reporters. Like not that he's on edge, but like, you know, his whole idea of if there's a trophy, I want it. Like these guys are competitive and that's like a legitimate storyline as well. It's not like the global, um, like trending topic, but I mean, once the game starts, like, you know, they're, they're on, on the line there. And, and I think it will be this fascinating back and forth of, you know, for the players, for the front office, for us who try to make sense of it all. Like you're just going to kind of be on these, you know, wild swings from one moment to the next. <laughs> That's perfect. Cause I'm going to wild swing and be like, okay, he said that stuff. I'm going <laughs> to go back to the bullpen. Now there's, there's the wild swing. Um, in part because I want to, you know, I agree with Sahadev that you ha- you have to do this balance of of leaving some grace to figure out what guys are. I mean, there were eleven relievers in the bullpen to start the season. Eleven, and like, how many of them are known quantities? Zero. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would argue it's literally zero. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah. Given. E- even the older established guys, it's like injuries and past whatever, like not a single guy that you're like, yeah, definitely. So you have to have that grace a little bit, but we know the drill. It's like two blown games for a guy. And it's like, sorry, we got a cup eight. Um, and so, you know, to that end, I, I want to button up the Kimbrel discussion for now. Cause we could go on at length about one appearance when it's not really one appearance. Um, I think about how we live in this uh, data age of baseball where you can have available at any given time precisely the the movement on a pitch, the spin rate, the, you know, anything you'd want to know from a data standpoint, even on the outside, we can get a whole lot of that. But sometimes you do have to take a step back and go back to some old stuff if you really want to present the best picture. And what I was thinking about last night as I watched is something I heard long time ago, just like it's an old scouting thing, baseball thing is that, you know, when you're evaluating a pitcher, the hitters are going to tell you the information better than what your eyes can tell you. And what I saw last night is whatever you think of Craig Kimball's Kimbrel's fastball, wherever it is, that gets all the chatter, but his knuckle curve, a plus plus pitch that, that really was something for him in his heyday. He threw it five, 15 times last night. The Reds never even flinched at offering at it. Okay. I'm not just saying he didn't get any swing and misses. I'm not saying he didn't get any weak contact. They didn't swing. Not once. 15 pitches. And I didn't even see a guy start to trigger his swing. So something is wrong. Like this isn't panicking about one bad appearance on the results side. I'm telling you the batters were informing the Cubs that something is fundamentally wrong with whatever Kimbrel is doing out there. So even if you didn't have the results, even if he, you know, skated through that, I'd be telling you under the hood, something is not right. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what the resolution is of the roles in the bullpen. And I don't think it would be at all um, dramatic or harried or reactionary if Kimbrel is not the closer for the next game, like boom, I, I in fact, I'm just going to say it. That is what I would do this season. 
I think you cannot F around with guys' roles when you have the information available. You know, it's not like the other 10 guys that were trying to say, well, give them a little bit of grace because we're trying to still find out information. No, we have the information that we need on this role. And the only reason to flinch on making a decision is because of the guy's name and because you, you've got that hope that, well, you know, he's done it in the past so you can figure it out. No, can't F around. Do that next year. Do that next spring. Give him a chance to rework it, but don't blow games in the interim. The, the only uh, the only reason I I would disagree with you there is because I do believe that the mental factor in baseball has to be considered. And if you pull him now, you basically can't use him at all. Like, don't expect him to ever come back. And, and I, I totally this year. I I totally maybe agree. With even you. going forward, I don't know what that does to him mentally. And if he can ever recover and and I part of me wants to just agree with you and say, screw money, screw, uh, you know, history, uh, screw traditional roles. Uh, I that's probably the best move. But there are other factors I think that you have to consider other than just the immediacy of right now trying to win games, especially with <laughs> if you if you pull the plug on them and the season ends, you know, the season is shut down in a week. <laughs> you've, you've destroyed his confidence for a season that doesn't happen and you have him for another year. Right. So, I, yeah, it's that is my only hesitation. Other than that, I I kind of agree with you that if we're just going purely on forget mental aspect of this game, forget like trying to build a guy's confidence and trust. uh it's probably the right move. Just forget about his name. Forget about his history. Right now, what you said about him, that they're not swinging at the curveball, you're right. I noticed that. I'm like, he can't put a batter away. And it's because that curveball wasn't garnering any swings. So, uh, you, you don't have to go. Got to go, Mooney. I do like <laughs> I, I like that we're doing the Zoom now because like I can see you doing. I thought like, you had an ad read. I, I thought Sahadev jumped in on an ad read. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna. No, that's perfect because that is what I was gonna do. Like, see, that's we, we're, we're simpatico here. I was gonna. I was because I just felt like I needed to talk about dugout mugs. You know this. You know I got to talk about it. So, uh, listen, dugout mugs. It's a company that started in a college baseball dugout. Hence the name dugout mugs. You can. I can see you, listener, picturing it. It is the barrel of a baseball bat turned into a 12-ounce mug, okay? Uh, it's officially licensed by MLB. You get your team engraved on there, Cubs, obviously. And, uh, you know, you can drink your beer out of it. You can put it on your shelf, show it off to your friends. It's just a really cool, unique thing. Uh, so go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use the promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and the code is MLB30. Okay, so uh, fill that mug up and, and drink a beer, and then you can down it or several of them while you watch the bullpen the next time. All right, I'm gonna do you a treat, Mooney. You can set up the next. You can set up the transition. Go, go with this. Go with God. Where do you want to go? What do you talk? We want to talk about the Brewers series. You want to talk about the bats? We feel so negative. You want to talk about Kyle Hendricks or Tyler Chatwood or John Lester? They look pretty good. You go. You go. I had. I- <clears throat> this idea of like, what if this is the year when all of the Cubs hitters just like hit their peak and they have this amazing year and the bullpen just ruins it for everyone <laughs> that like all these years that they spent in like kind of investing in their lineup and like, you know, they finally have, you know, the right kind of me- mentality and they play off each other and like the complimentary guys, you know, are kind of, clicking on all 
cylinders and you know everyone's kind of motivated and then it's just like you know every game they're, they're losing eight seven or seven six just like you know just Kyle Schwartz like you know they have multiple guys get MVP votes and I'm with you outside of Kyle Hendricks like I think there's zero like sure things on that pitching staff I realize I would trust John Lester over the course of a two-month season and you Darvish is certainly really interesting and like could be great this year but um you know I was still laughing thinking back to spring training of people saying like well you know the wicks are a lock and I'm just like what are you talking about like I mean Rowan Wick is really talented and interesting but like he was like a position player a couple years ago (laughs) like okay now he's the eighth inning guy lock um so yeah I guess it's probably best not to overreact, but that's kind of like all we have right now, and I think we should run with that. Uh, okay, I want to make sure. So I do want to make available to you, Sahadi, to talk about any of the offensive stuff because I know you've been um, particularly hitting that a lot the last like few weeks in the run-up to the season. But uh, just so it doesn't get lost, I do feel like we have to mention um, Tyler Chatwood's start. One game, whatever. He was flashing a lot of this renewed command last year. If, if people will recall, he had that extensive work uh, refining program before the 2019 season to rework his mechanics. Remember, the glove used to shoot way out, and now it's very tight. Um, and it is it, it worked for him. By the second half last year, again, spot starts and mostly low leverage bullpen duty, but he just, he looked different than that first year with the Cubs. And I got to say that start against the Brewers on Sunday, the way he was using his pitches, the confidence he had in all of his pitches and that freaking cutter was so good. I don't know. I don't want to go crazy off of one start, but sometimes with a starting pitcher, you, you get to see 80 plus pitches. I mean, Right, I'm not crazy. That no, that looked really, really good. Yes, you're talking about one of the most friendly offensive days you're gonna get at Wrigley Field. Like that is prototypical offense, and it, it wasn't like his defense bailed him out repeatedly. He was when he when he was giving up contact, it was majority on the ground. There was a lot of ground balls, if I'm remembering correctly. And then beyond that, he struck out Christian Yelich three times like that that's going to get noticed I, I don't care how you're what you're doing what your history is like how many questions we have about the guy when you do that I'm taking notice because he did it with that that cutter like you said is absolutely nasty right now and he's he's learning how to use the rest of his arsenal the fact that he trusts his curveball more the, the fact that I mean the movement that he has on his fastball I mean it is it, it's very interesting, and I mean, we've known this for years, right? He's a very interesting, talented guy with stuff, and we've talked about it ad nauseum, and it's annoying when it doesn't work out. Zadev did the air quotes for <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like, you guys couldn't see it, but we could. He went, quote, stuff. <laughs> and so it's – when it comes together, you, you – I understand that there's a hesitation to embrace it uh, just because of how bad he was at 18 and just what last year was all the everything that Brett mentioned. 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic. I was before because I like the way he carries himself. I like the way that they're, they're talking about things and how he's kind of learned to use everything and the confidence he has. I love all that stuff about him. I just want to go see see it a couple more times. But I mean, just on the Yelich at bats alone, like he made him look uncomfortable. He made him look like what. Did I, what am I doing? Like, what am I looking at with the change? I think he got him with a change up once that just that was painted. Just beautiful. Another thing is Wilson Contreras is a different catcher out there. I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I know I wrote the story on it. I wasn't convinced that it was going to happen. But four games in, he looks like a different catcher. And it that's a big, big thing for when you're catching. It may not be huge for, for Chatwood just because the ball moves so much. But for Hendricks and Lester, it could be a game changer. You could. How uh, many strikes did he steal last night? That was. I, mean, even, I don't know how big in, that zone was. I'd like a comparative thing. That's okay, something yeah. that Craig Driver pointed out to me. He's like, you can't just look at it individually and in, in game to game. If you're going to look at game to game, compare him to the other catcher. How is he doing to the compared to the other catcher? And I didn't. I didn't look at that. Maybe it was just a big zone overall. But that was that was a great. Per, like he he looks different. There's no doubt that hey. he's different. Thanks, thanks for the content for later today. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it was funny, Sadev. Last night I wasn't I, – I was off, so I was watching the game with my dad and, and my son, and I had a, a beverage, and I was just enjoying, uh, you know, kind of a, a night off. And I saw Contreras catch one of those, and I was like, it's like, wow, maybe I've had, like, too much to drink, but that's – I think that's what Sahadev's talking about. And I wasn't furiously checking Twitter, <laughs> and then when I turned it on, Jordan had done, like, the gif of it and, like, linked to your story. I was like, all right, all right, that's what that's what they're talking about. It wasn't just me kind of, like, imagining things or just, like, you know, uh, half paying attention. I thought it was, like, you know, noticeable, even to someone who was kind of, like, barely watching the game just kind of drifting in and out like hanging out with with my family like you I I did notice a difference the way that you know kind of he was receiving the ball I thought it was a really well done story kind of you know setting up you know what should be a huge huge season from from Wilson you know kind of by all indications that we've seen so far you know just you know hitting lasers everywhere and uh you know his his energy um I mean, almost starting a bench clearing social distanced brawl in the second game of the season. Like, I feel like we're going to be talking about Wilson a lot uh, over the next couple months. I mean, if the framing's legit and he keeps like he looks anything like he has these first four games offensively, that's an MVP candidate at minimum. Right. I'm not I I don't think I'm exaggerating there. And just the offense in general right now. I mean, Javi looked better yesterday. But people weren't talking about the fact that Javi didn't have a good first series, really. Like, he had two singles, I believe, in that first series that were kind of, like, not a Javi variety singles, right? They were just kind of seeing-eye singles. Uh, because Bryant looks completely lost at the plate. I know it's four games. I'm not going to overreact. But he's missing pitches that he should send 450 feet. And we, we talked about this, I want to say, in like the first two weeks or week and a half of last season as well. It, it takes a little while. That's a That swing is the most unique swing you're ever going to find. And sometimes when he doesn't have his timing off, it looks bad. Uh, I mean, when he doesn't have his timing, uh, it just looks bad. And I'm not going to freak out because I know Chris Bryant like will find his timing. And eventually it's going to be look very good uh, you just hope it doesn't last too long but but they're three and one the offense looks great they're working counts he got on base two or three times yesterday they're he's he's taking pitches 
I, I'm not going to freak out about Chris Bryant and the fact that Javi Baez hit the ball hard multiple times yesterday. Rizzo's on fire. Uh, Schwarber looks great. Hap looks great. It, it, this is this is good news for the offense right now, and I think it could. And Caratini looks great. Nico hits. I mean, we could go on and on with the offense. I think it looks good. I think he's got – I think Ross knows how to use that lineup against the lefties. That's why Souza was in there yesterday. That's why Bodie was in there yesterday. And and for one game against a lefty, it looked right, right? Like the all those lefty issues last year, uh, one game in, you, you can't really complain about it. Uh, so I, I think the offense right now, we can – you know, like with everything, don't want to overreact positively or negatively, but there are signs that it's like, okay – well, what's going on here? Let's let's continue on this on this path, and and it could be very interesting going forward. Um, so uh, we'll probably wrap it there. Then I just yeah, I, I think that you summed that up very well, Sahadev, through four games. Um, and I'll note for people, I th- or put something that you said a different way that may additionally resonate with folks. When there's something about Chris Bryant at the plate that when he is off. He looks he, he looks to the eye particularly bad. He looks particularly lost when he's off. Whereas like someone like Javi, when he's off, it he just looks like Javi. You, it, like it just they look like the same at bats. You you sort of don't get that same sense. But when Chris Bryant is off, there is that. I, I don't know what it is. If it's the, the the unique swing like you mentioned, where it just looks like wow, this guy's timing is not there, and that is what it is right now. And you know, I think just because some other dudes are clicking in this this year is weird. We shouldn't lose sight of the fact that it is still like where you would be in spring training, sort of like getting your timing and all that. And I don't know. I, I'm like you. I'm not super worried, but you do see that that he's a bit off. So um, we we will leave it there. Uh, folks, hopefully we will be continuing to cover baseball, uh, but we will, like I said at the top, you know, as the developments in COVID related stuff come up, we'll keep tracking them. We got to talk about it because that's part of the context. And so I want to thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back at you in a few days. Uh, the Cubs will wrap up their series against the Reds in that uh, period of time. Three more. Uh, we'll get our first look at Alec Mills uh, in the rotation this year. Kind of actually sneaky excited about that. And I want to tell you folks also to make sure that if you are not yet an athletic subscriber, now is the time to do it. Not only because baseball's back, you want to be reading what Sahadev's writing, you want to be reading what Patrick's writing, you want to be reading what the national MLB guys are writing but also because you get a great deal right now. Biggest discount I think you will see in a typical year. Uh, go to theathletic.com slash onto Waveland and you get 40% off, 40% off. Uh, that's uh, theathletic.com slash onto Waveland. Go do that. Um, and I think you will be very happy. I'm a very happy subscriber myself. Otherwise, you can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. I'm Brett Taylor. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. And, uh, you know, maybe also rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for taking the time, folks. We'll be back at you soon. Take care.